Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, child loss is such a tough thing, and sibling loss, as you know, and we've been through it. And we have a person on today who is going to kind of give you a little different take on grief and loss. Colin Campbell, he is a writer and director for theater and film. He wrote and starred in a play, a one-man play, and he's still doing it. It, it. it was in New York City. It's in L.A. It's called Grief, a One-Man Shit Show. Love the name. It's about the death of his two teenage children who were killed by a drunk driver in a horrific car crash. And Colin is the author of Finding the Words, Working Through Profound Loss with Hope and Purpose. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Colin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, Colin. Tell our audience a little bit about Ruby and Hart. Yeah. So uh, Ruby was 17 when she was killed and Hart was 14 when he was killed. And they uh, were our only children. At Chiva, I said that everybody thinks their kids are the greatest, but actually mine were. Mine were the greatest <laughs> kids. Um, <laughs> objectively so. Um, no, they were, they were extraordinary, extraordinary children. Um, you know, Ruby was this amazing artist and she came to art kind of late in her life. She was really 15 when she just started drawing and painting and watercoloring and digital art making. And she became hooked and was, she really blossomed towards the end of her life, uh, and became like, I call her this, um, this rock star source of inspiration and and life and um and a fierce lesbian warrior for social justice that's that's my tagline for ruby um she was she was an awesome mix of of um she loved knitting and sewing and making anime costumes and she also loved uh, lock picking and muay thai martial arts (laughs) um and sword fighting so she was quite the mix uh, and Hart, he was he was uh, this amazing clown, just a hilarious kid who, uh, you know, was going to be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. And he loved performing and he created these amazing characters uh, that were hilarious and and wildly inappropriate. <laughs> um, and so he would make everybody laugh and then gasp. <laughs> um, and uh, and most importantly, we loved being a family, the four of us. Um, we just love spending time together, which I know is, is often not so, not the case with teenagers, teenage children and their parents, but we, uh, we did, we loved spending time together. We loved playing cards together. We do it all the time. We love traveling. Um, we love rock climbing out in the desert. Mm-hmm. And you were on a family vacation, in fact, together, the four of you, mm-hmm. when your car was hit. Yeah, yeah, we were on the way. We were on the way to Joshua Tree, uh, mm-hmm. which is this little town in the high desert 
two and a half hours east of Los Angeles. And it's beautiful, spectacular views and vistas and amazing rock climbing, rock scrambling, we call it. Um, so you just climb these boulders and have these amazing views and amazing adventures and get kind of lost in the rocks and then find a way back to the car. Um, and we all loved it there. And we were going there. We'd actually found a, a vacation home because uh, we'd been going there every year for their, their whole lives. And suddenly we thought, wow, we could get we could afford a, a small little vacation home out here. How amazing is that? And we were going to just check out the property after having made an offer on it. And um, and uh, a drunken high driver speeding crashed into us. Wow. Wow. Well, I've got to say, absolutely horrific. It's 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 telling that your teenagers wanted to have a vacation with their parents. You know, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It was sadly it was going to be just me. I was going to go up there to the house to see. I had a meeting with a a pool builder to see if we could build a pool. And, and then my wife said, let's make it a romantic getaway. And we got a babysitter and we were about to go. And Ruby's like, wait a minute, you can't go without me. I, I, I told you where I was going to put the pool. And then it was like, okay, we got it. Well, Hart and Ruby, let's all jump in the car and go together. Wow. Um, which is just, a, so, you know, so how did you deal with the what ifs of that? Um, I, I continue to struggle with the what ifs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they come to mind all the time. Um, and I try not to dwell in that land of what ifs. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, intellectually, I'm like, I, I don't want to spend time in there. Um, it's a form of denial. And, and it's so laden with guilt and difficult feelings. Um, so I try not to suppress them when they come, but I just try to let them pass as best I can. Mm -hmm. and stay in the I like that. You wrote something, ironically, the better I'm able to navigate my grief, the more guilt I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about that today. I was thinking, oh, you know, I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a professor and I'm just leaving a good class and driving home. And then it's like, how, how is this possible? How can I be functioning without mm -hmm. my children? And, um, and how awful is that? You know, I, I shouldn't have the right to, um, it feels wrong. Uh, so yeah, yeah, the, the guilt that seems to accompany every, every step of the way, um, even as I'm adjusting to my, my new, my new life. Well, Colin, and it's interesting because two emotions, it's interesting how two emotions can exist together. We can mm -hmm. come out of a, you can come out of a great class that you just taught and inspire the students and then be thinking, oh my gosh, my kids died. You know, yeah, yeah. It, and I, I'm guilt. I feel guilty. I mean, you've you've got all these conflicting emotions at the same time, positive ones and negative ones. It's you know, which I think is so true in life. Yeah, I think especially in in grief, because every moment of joy is always feels to me like oh, it's always tinged. It's well, always well, tinged. Well, I, I remember, Colin. You'll you'll be able to. You'll be, I think, able to identify with this. A few weeks after my brother died, my mother was worried about her health. She was, you know, and and so she she got her jogging clothes on and went jogging, which is what she always did before my brother died. Mm -hmm. And she was concerned. She felt guilty. And she was like, what are the neighbors going to think? Are they going to think she didn't love her son? She's out jogging. So that was yeah. happening in her head as she was trying to take care of herself. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's so hard, even especially in early grief, to take care of ourselves. Because it's like, that's not right. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to be 
eating healthily or sleeping or you're supposed to just you know be in a puddle and um and yet i think that taking care of ourselves is sort of like fortifies us so we can grieve we need to be mm-hmm. healthy to grieve it's so it's so heart-wrenching that's a good point we need to be healthy to grieve i mean mm-hmm. there really people do die from grief of heart issues yeah and, yeah so how do you i'm wondering just how do you start you've had this horrific loss of your children this horrible crash how do you even start to get up and move forward that's a that's the real challenge um how do we stay in life as we're grieving um and i for me early on i i could see the the path to of, to disengage with life you know mm-hmm. I, I felt disconnected from life i felt i, I described myself as being um untethered untethered from life and it was really a terrible feeling um and and i thought i need to tether myself back to life i need to do things i need to take actions and stay engaged and so i did this thing very early on i said yes to everything that was my mm. that was my sort of solution in early grief it's like i want to say no to everything and i know that that's not going to be helpful to me in the long run you know someone says hey you want to go walk tomorrow i'm like no <laughs> I probably won't want to then. I don't want to now. So I'm going to say no. And I just thought, I'll say yes to everything. And mm-hmm. um, and it, it helped. It did. It worked for me. Um, because then I, I, I was doing, I was staying engaged in life, even though I didn't want to, it didn't feel connected to life. But I just trusted that saying yes to these things, doing these things would bring me back into life. And, and I think it's true. I think it did. I think it does continues, you know, um, uh, were, yeah, were there think, things that people did that helped you that were helpful? I think the most helpful things for me, especially in early grief, were people telling me how much they love and miss Ruby and heart. Mm-hmm. And if they had a Ruby and heart story, if they, you know, could tell me something about some adventure they had together. I just, I went out just with uh, last week, last Wednesday. I went out for coffee with one of Ruby's friends. Now she's a she's a in her third year, no, fourth year, final year of college. Um, and she and I just had a nice talk, and she told me about an adventure they had together in Cambridge, Oxford. They did a summer abroad program when they were twelve. Wow. And and I told her, you know, Ruby didn't tell me too much about what happened on that trip. Can you tell me about that trip? And she's like, Oh my gosh, yes. And it turns out she's writing a screenplay about that trip. <laughs> like, wow. like that was a really important event in her life. Yeah. And it was years ago. And, um, you know, it was nine years ago. And, uh, and she told me all these stories I didn't know about. And how amazing is that? I get to hear this stuff that Ruby did, you know? It's funny, you know, my son died 40 years ago. And uh, with the advent of the internet and social media, we started getting the stories about him and people oh, wow. commenting it was really interesting that people came forward that we had known for years but they hadn't you know said anything for years and they were talking about how it was for them and how they missed him and you know it was it was really something in fact yeah. on his 40th anniversary of his death i get a text and this person says wow i really miss scott it's been 40 years and i looked at this guy's picture i said is that you, John? <laughs> Who are you? Oh my God! <laughs> and it was Scott's best friend. 
it is amazing to see that over time people don't forget uh -uh. you know these these kids had profound a profound influence on their friends yeah it changed and their friends are forever changed in profound ways yeah yeah well talk to us about some of the things you didn't like and i know you said that you went through read a lot of grief books and a lot of heard a lot of podcasts okay. and whatever and... Uh, okay i love one i have to say one you you did not like when people said there are no words <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i love that um, and I, I i have to i have to preface it because some people are you know take take umbrage at, at it, but I know that they said it because they, they love me, right? They, they love me and they don't know what to say. So they say there are no words. Uh, and they're trying to communicate that the depth of my loss is just so, you know, deep and catastrophic that how could they say anything to me? Um, but what was weird is that a lot of people said that to me, like a lot, a lot, like hundreds, <laughs> hundreds <laughs> of people literally said there are no words to me. And after a while, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> are there no words? Well, well, I love calm, to have like some said, words. Like you said, that that shuts all conversation down. If someone yeah. says there are no words, where do you go with that? They're just telling you, stop. Right, there stop no talking words. about it. <laughs> Let's not talk about it at all. And I yeah. found I really wanted to talk about it. I want to talk about Ruby and Hart. I want to talk about loss and grief and what's happening to me. It's so like crazy, catastrophic. Can, can we talk about it? So yeah, yeah. So uh, so I, that that phrase suddenly jumped out at me, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Can we can we find words instead?" Actually, mm -hmm. and you you yeah. kind of taught people how to be good grief support. At one yeah. point, I think you mm -hmm. said you you told people what you needed, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 Gail and I we did this thing we called our, our grief spiel. So we pull people aside and we tell them like literally, this is how we need to talk to you. Like we need to talk about Ruby and Hart. People were scared mm -hmm. to say their names. People are still a little scared to say their names to me. You know, I find that like, and and so I have to tell them, no, I, I need to hear Ruby and Hart's names. You, we can't like dance around the subject. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need to talk about that. They were just killed. Um, and my life has been destroyed. And now I'm trying to rebuild a, a new life and, and we need to talk about it. We can't just talk about the weather, you right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was helpful. It was helpful to give people some guidance because our culture doesn't really do that. Our culture doesn't really guide us. They, our culture clearly teaches us to say there are no words. Right. <laughs> Something happened and we all all learned to say there are no words. I don't know when, when that happened, but it did. Right. So I also wanted to say something about you and Gail because your wife is Gail, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I know that you said that I guess I read it somewhere that you and Gail were even closer. After yeah. the loss. Because there's a huge myth out there that mm. people who who have kids die get divorced. I mean, I can't tell you how many people say that. They come on this show. We had somebody on last week who said it. And I and during the when we were off air afterward, I said, you know, there's really no research to show that that is true. And right. not Experience because my husband and I were the only two parents that had experienced exactly the same thing. Right, right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so there have been studies now, and and they show that in fact statistically it's not true that, that the divorce rate is only it, it's not it's even lower than the national average if you take it like you know um, in a uh, in a static way, but if you track over time the divorce rate is just like slightly higher than the national average, just slightly higher. 
And so this idea that we all get divorced is not true. And also it's weird to be told that, right? Mm -hmm. People told me multiple now, You could have another loss. Yeah, so, right. Like, so people told you that, Colin, it sounds like. Yes, yes, multiple people told me that. And how By do the they way, think that was helpful? Get <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> why would that be helpful to say to somebody? So um, what's your thought on the difference between the way you and Gail grieved? What did you do when you were got up in the morning and you were up and she was down and you're like, uh, or the other way around? Yeah, yeah, I think... I think on one level we we grieved and we continued to grieve very much in sync in terms of like there'd be times where we're just thinking the same thoughts you know um and feeling the same feelings and and that's nice but also it's it's also nice when we're not in sync when one of us is feeling so despondent and the other one is feeling a little more engaged in in life that doesn't seem so bad either right so to be a couple and 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 have somebody there that's pulling us back into life, um, not, not in a rough way, <laughs> just right. gently, like here's a hand, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah. So we, we each have our own. Now I think we have our rough patches hit us at different times. But in early grief, it felt like it, felt like it was the same. It felt like we were just riding the same roller coaster. Um, but I think that what helped our marriage is the fact that we talked about it a lot. We just talked mm -hmm. about our feelings. We talked about Ruby and Hart. We talked about how hard it is. Um, and and we talked about grieving mm -hmm. together. Um, and, and that brought us closer. Yeah. And what kind of things do you think helped you? Talking, it sounds like. It sounds like writing this show mm -hmm. and then writing the book was very helpful. Yeah. And then acting yeah. it out. And then acting it out, I perform it, yeah. And it, in a way, the show um, it has a lot of humor. It's very darkly mm -hmm. comedic. Um, but in a way, it's me grieving in public. Uh, I talk about Ruby and Hart. Um, and so there are, there are portions of the show where I'm just sharing a beautiful Ruby and Hart story. Um, mm -hmm. And then a lot of it's, a lot of it's rage-filled <laughs> venting. Um, mm -hmm. but then it, it, it ends in a, in a, I think a place of grace, um, where, where I don't want to compare losses. I don't want to compare grief. Uh, you know, I, I want to embrace everyone's grief and honor everyone's grief. Um, and, and so it, 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 it comes to a, a place that I think is, um, yeah, a, a place of grace. You go to the desert. We're going to the desert this, this weekend and you have to drive you to buy the property. We did. We bought the property. Oh, but at first, we did. At first, at first, I can't. I canceled the sale. Like, forget it. Yeah. You know, obviously. And that realtor was like, "Of course, of course." And then three days later, Gail and I were like, well, "That's the last thing we did as a family. We all mm -hmm. we chose this house. They they've been to the house, um, and we imagined a future there with them, and it could be a, a refuge, a, a grief refuge. But the trick is, you have to drive past the crash site. There's oh, no wow. other way to get there." You have to drive past. Tell us about the first time you did that. Well, the first time um, it was about three. It took about three months after we after the crash, um, and my brother-in-law drove. I couldn't drive out there, and so Gail and I were in the back seat, and it was uh, we were all clenched. My my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law were in the front were in the front, and and they were my my brother-in-law. His his muscles were like aching for days after because it was he was driving like this 
you know? Um, and we thought we might have to turn around. Gail said, we, could, we might have to turn around. We might not be able to make it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And we drove out. And, and the reason why we did was we, we trusted that it was going to be really hard the first time and then really hard the second and really hard the third and a little better the fourth and a little better the fifth, right? And then eventually mm-hmm. it would be, it would give us more joy to be there than, than pain. Um, yeah. And we just trusted in that process. And that, that, that's, that has that been true. Today? It's been four years. Four years, yeah. That isn't a long time. I'm no, sure no. <laughs> it doesn't feel long at all. No. Um, nope. It was very fresh. Um, but we've, we've gone out there many, many times, dozens and dozens of times. Uh, mm-hmm. And we actually lived out there during the lockdown, during the pandemic. Wow. Gail and I, so it was a grief retreat for us. So there is a certain amount of power in doing that. You've been able to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great word to use, the power. Yeah, it feels, it feels like, to my mind, that we are, um, we're engaging with our grief. We're not just, you know, victims of it. We're not passive. We're not just being yeah. smushed. <laughs> we're taking action. We're, um, we're uh, self-actualizing. We're, 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 we're actively grieving. That's how I think of it. You're vertical. well i like well well, well, colin said something interesting too and and kind of funny to me because it was so true you you said that people would say i don't think i could survive that colin and what was your response to that because people said all the time to you i don't think i could survive if this happened to me yeah and it's like well you're not going to spontaneously die (laughs) and and it's like poof so what do you you mean exactly you challenge that yeah you challenge that a little bit which i like so so yeah, so I, I don't I didn't ever challenge anyone in person. Right. I'm just I guess I'm just too friendly. But in my book <laughs> I challenge it. <laughs> yeah, because um, what what's the alternative? I mean you're going to survive right. even if unless, it feels like it feels hard. Right. And yeah, unless you're talking about taking your life. And right. to me, I had to engage with that question in a very real way. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to live without Ruby and Heart. And so I had to think about that. And I had to think how could I end my life and, and, and bring more pain to my family and more pain to Gail? How, how could I do that? And how could I, how could I dishonor Ruby and Hart's memories? Because I need to be alive so I can memorialize them and talk about them and their beautiful life. As so, I recall, um, the pull of the grave is very strong. You want to be with them, but you don't want to take your life. Yeah, yeah. But you it's really, different. the longing to be with them early on is pretty powerful stuff so so to my mind it's it feels very flippant for someone to be like oh i would i wouldn't be able to survive that and you're like well right. <laughs> that's easy for you to say but i've actually had to dwell in that question yeah. uh and it's a rough question and it's not something i would lightly toss off you go to mad mothers against drunk driving yes i've been to mad a couple times yeah the grief groups yeah yeah did you find that helpful um I uh, I did I I found I found compassionate friends more helpful mm-hmm. um, because uh, that's specifically for parents and siblings and grandparents yeah. um, and uh, and I don't know I found that more helpful to me um, and then I also found I went to a group called um, Our House which right. is a Los Angeles based organization mm-hmm. and they they put you in groups with very 
very similar losses. So we were in a group, everybody lost an adult child within the past six months in a, in a, in a violent sudden death. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot in common, um, different, different forms of death, but, but a lot in common. Uh, and we stayed together for two years, that one specific group. Um, wow, so that's compassionate, great. compassionate friends comes and goes different people. And, but this was right. the same group of people every, yep. every other week for two years. Um, and we, and we remain close with those people. Yeah. Peer support is powerful. We're very involved in compassionate friends and have been for many years. I, I mean, having other peers around that understand my loss has been important for me. I'm just wondering, Colin, for people out there that don't know how they're, they're going to survive right now or don't even want to, what would you say to them? I'd say, I'd say two things. Um, stay engaged in life, even if you don't feel engaged. It's like fake it till you make it a little bit. It's like a theater thing. It's like, you know, you, you, you do the actions and then the connections come as a result. And the other thing I would say is um, uh, try not to be afraid of the pain because any action is going to cause some pain. I think that's why people avoid taking action in their grief, you know, like spending time with their child's friends. That's mm-hmm. going to hurt that's going to cause a lot of pain, right? Um, you're seeing these kids who are growing up and your kid doesn't get to grow up. Um, and yet there's a lot of solace to be had there. There's a lot of um, help and strength um, to be get garnered from doing those things. You know, uh, a lot of people, they say like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, my, my, my kid had this favorite restaurant. I'll never go there again. And it's like, well, yeah, or... <laughs> You could go to that restaurant and it'll hurt, but you go again and then again and again, and then suddenly it's it's beautiful that you get to still go to that restaurant and think about your kid. You know, mm-hmm. my my philosophy about the pain I actually learned from Ruby. So Ruby struggled with OCD and depression mm-hmm. very seriously, uh, suicidality, and um, and one of the things that she sort of learned or discovered is the idea that this that the pain that panic comes in waves. And so if you're hit with, a, with an OCD anxiety, it, it comes in waves. It'll hit you, but it won't keep you down forever. It'll let go mm-hmm. of you, you know? And, that, and she wrote a beautiful essay. It's really an extraordinary essay. I put it in my book. It's the best piece of writing in my book. <laughs> it's my daughter's. But um, it's about her facing the waves of, of despair and panic. And to me, it's like also grief facing the waves mm-hmm. of grief and despair and the idea that they'll, they'll hit you, but then they'll let you go. So even in that I moment love where you're like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Just hang in because it'll change. It'll, it'll it's recede. almost like she's talking to you as you're going through this process. Yeah, very much so. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening to her. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful. Tell people where they can get your book and are you going to be doing wow. some shows? Yeah, so my book is available at any any bookstore, you know, um, or online. Any bookstore that sells books online, you can order it. Finding the words, working through profound loss with hope and purpose. Uh, and my show, Grief One Man Shit Show. Um, I don't have any current shows in the future. I just I performed it two nights ago, but um, but I haven't anything on the books yet. But there's talk about it maybe in Seattle. There's talk in a theater in Austin. And I think there's a theater in Detroit. Um, so 
that's sort of how it goes. I just sort of, somebody reaches out to me and I say, oh yeah, I'd love to come to your city, <laughs> do my show. Is there a theater that would want me or can you, you know, make something happen? And if someone says yes, then, then I go. So I went to Boston and did a show in Boston. Um, they set it up and it was, it was amazing. Yeah, so. Well, I hope we'll see you in New Orleans in July at the Compassionate Friends National Conference because we will be yes. there. Yes, I would love to attend. Yes. And do you have a website you want to give out? Oh, sure. Um, so ColinCampbellAuthor.com is a website. Uh, and you also can go to GriefOneManShitShow.com for my mm -hmm. show. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram as Colin Campbell Writer. Good. And don't forget your foundation. Yes. And we started the Ruby and Heart Foundation, which you can also Google Ruby and Heart Foundation. Heart is H-A-R-T. Uh, my wife and I started it and it's about raising, we raise money uh, to send books and authors into underserved schools. Uh, mm. A lot of times, you know, fancy schools get authors to come and read to their kids and, mm -hmm. and the schools that don't have as much money, Title I schools don't always have the ability to bring authors in. And so now we send authors and, book, and free books and then the kids get their own book with a little a face, a, a nameplate that says a gift from, from Ruby and Hart. I love it. That's very special. Yeah. Well, best wishes to Gail and you on this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. And thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Thank you, Colin. And thank you for building awareness and normalizing the reality of what grief looks like. I greatly appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.